Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach repping the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Welcome to the 10th episode of the 4th Down Experience podcast. I'm here with Chris Hughesby. I'm Brian Jackson. Chris, I think we have an awesome episode for the people today. I'm excited, man. You're very, very excited. excited for this guy. You're we're changing it up a little bit. We've usually <laughs> been interviewing kickers, and uh, now we're, uh, we're coming to the, the good side here. <laughs> Finally have a NFL, oh wait, an NFL punter coming to us here in the next few minutes, I believe. Just awaiting this call right now. Uh, Brian, how's your week been so far? Uh, interesting. Down here in the south, we've actually had really, really cold weather. So all of our schools have been out, and we've only had what's called snow dust. Nice. <laughs> How is it that going was... up there? Um, it's good. Uh, we had a, a string of cold weather, and obviously you were down here a little bit ago. Or up here, I mean. <clears throat> And uh, we just hit about 35, 40 degree weather, and so it feels warm. Saw some people wearing shorts, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a big change when it's like a 40 degree swing, so it feels great. So, um, so it was good. I think everybody's just in a happier mood when it's at least in the 30s. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, as far as our podcast views, we're over 1,200 listeners. Uh, the Sam Ficken interview was fantastic last week, uh, provided some awesome insight. Uh, coming in and playing the last three games of the Rams season, and he's still contracted with them. So uh, we're providing a lot of valuable information. We're even cutting down our podcast to about 30 minutes uh, to keep you guys more engaged. And I think you guys will definitely be engaged in today's podcast for sure. Here's our phone call, Chris. All right. Rigo, what's up? How you doing, Jackson? (laughs) Hey, Rigo, this is Chris Hughesby right here. Uh, welcome to the Fourth Down Experience podcast. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm doing well. How's the weather where you're at? It's a little better than Indy right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got about 30 degree weather right now in Minnesota, and some snow in Alabama. Believe it or not. <laughs> wow, it's unbelievable. Go. Are you are you're are you out in Cali now, Rigo? Yes, sir. I'm in North Carolina right now, my hometown. Nice, nice. Well, well, Rigo, you're on the Fourth Down Experience podcast, and I, I think you've you've seen some of the other specialists that have been on here, and we're just ecstatic um, to have you uh, share some insight and some knowledge for for the audience, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Just so everyone knows, uh, Rigoberto Sanchez, as Pat McAfee likes to say, um, I just know him as Rigo. Uh, and he is the Colts punt kickoff specialist, and he fulfilled the roles of Pat McAfee um, last year, but he's, he's making um, his own uh, career on, on his own dime, and he just had a phenomenal uh, rookie season. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, I know you kind of – I'm kind of taking the, the lead here. So go ahead, Chris. Yeah, man, so we're excited to have you on. Uh, you're our first uh, punter uh, that we've had. We've had all characters so far, so I'm excited, you know, uh, as you know, Brian and I train specialists, and 
and um, but I love I love working with punters and just love talking to talking punt games. So, um, so what we want to do is just talk about the season first, and then we just work our way backwards. So, um, so you had your rookie season. Uh, what was it like? Uh, it was a you know pretty crazy ride. You know, you don't. I didn't really take a step back and really try to think about you know wow, like I'm playing in the league just because I try to stay on task every single day, you know, with, like, just focusing on one thing at a time, which was, like, you know, whatever it was, whether it was weights or just, you know, training and, like, practice and stuff. And, you know, after every kick, like, you guys usually teach. Um, but it was, a, honestly, a roller coaster just because, you know, the competition part in the beginning, you know, with Jeff and the other guys coming into minicamp and all that good stuff. Um, it was definitely, you know, kind of a roller coaster, I could say, in general. Um, but it was a great experience, you know. I was really blessed and thankful. You know, I'm really thankful to just be able to have my rookie season done and, uh, you know, be able to come out healthy out of there. Yeah. Well, they say they, for years they've been saying great things about the Colts organization. Have you had a chance to meet the owners and upper management and, and, and obviously see that firsthand? Can you repeat that? Sorry, I could barely hear you. Um, historically, the Colts have been known to have great ownership and, role models over there and um, what was your experience like uh, getting to know them and uh, did you get get a chance to meet the owners yeah I mean the experience I mean you can't really match that experience you know it's, uh, it's a great honor to be a part of the organization in general um, you know and uh, it was just uh, it was surreal to be there and be a part of it of the Colts organization and uh, you know it's, it's really really exciting that I was able to be a part of it Great, yeah. So, Rigo, I mean, so, you know, people saw Pat, and he kicked off and punted, and, and obviously you got uh, Vinatieri there that, that you've connected more than, than in, you know, majority of people will ever get to do. And so um, how was it uh, getting to to do two out of the three skill sets compared to all three compared to, like, when you were at Hawaii? Yeah, it was a little different. You know, um, I was used to doing all three ever since, uh, you know, college and I guess high school. I started sophomore year, um, but uh, it was just a little different. It was actually less toll on my body, as you could say, um, you know, not doing all three. Um, but for the most part, I think it was good just because I got to focus on just, you know, two, two over three things. Obviously, it's easier, you know, punting. Obviously, I focused on one day out of the week. I focused on just punting and the next day. Um, like on Thursday, I was focused on kickoffs and, you know, here and there I still hit field goals, but I mean, it was definitely better on my body and my leg, um, to do just two over three. Nice. Well, that's good. Well, mm-hmm. you know, one, qu- one question we always like to ask the specialists are, um, what is the leg swing workload like at the pro level versus the college level? And then what was like a typical day like for you? So in uh, college, I feel like I didn't have that meant, that much of a you know authority to do a certain amount of kicks, and um, you know I feel like you kind of go you know you're out on the field, you don't have that many coaches to help you out there. Um, it's a little different. You're kind of on your own, you know per se, and um, you know you kind of just go out there, kick you know ten, twenty, thirty balls, and then you don't like the last ten balls, you're gonna go and kick, you know another 10, 15, 20 balls because you didn't like the way you ended. And in, in the pros, I mean, the, of what I've experienced, 
this past year was, you know, my coach Tom McMahon, our special teams coach, he's, you know, he was really good about that, especially at the end of the year when, you know, our legs are getting tired and heavier of so much kicking throughout the year. Um, so, you know, we only have a certain amount of kicks. And coach always told me, you know, like, even if you end on a bad one, um, you can't really, um, you know, you can't really kick anymore just because you've already had a certain amount of kicks. And uh, so, I mean, obviously I try to always end on a good one, and everybody does. All the kicking guys out there know that. Um, but here and there I'll be able to, you know, like, hey, let me get one more after you throw the bad, bad punt or, you know, if I didn't like the punt. Um, but for the most part, our kick count is pretty strict. Um, and, you know, you just got to go out there and be a pro and uh, execute every single kick. You know, you can't really be focusing on the one before that, the one after that. I mean, you know, that's one thing I definitely learned. Yeah. So you went from college to, to pros. Um, shorter season, obviously a, a longer 17-week season plus plus uh, preseason and all that. Did you hit a rookie wall in terms of fatigue? You know, you mentioned tired leg. And then if so, how what are what were some things you did to help your leg recover? Yeah, I mean, uh, they always talk to us about uh, the rookie wall. I mean, I remember talking to a couple of the guys in the locker room that are rookies and, uh, you know, there were undrafted guys that would talk to me that, was, that were really close to me. Um, and, um, you know, we, we were like, we would talk about like how long the season is compared to college and high school. And, uh, you know, we did hit it about mid-season before, I think it was before our bye week. And I feel like we just try to help each other out with, you know, men the mental part of the game. Like, you know, it's going to be all right. We have bye week next week. You know, we all love football. Let's do it, you know, before we even enter the league, before we even got a chance to be in the league. How bad, just remember how bad we wanted this. So it's just like the little things that you just have to remember mentally. And then physically, I feel like, um, you know, I go in the hot tub, cold tub every day, um, oh, either that. before or after. What was that? He said he, said he loved that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so cold tub and hot tub was definitely something big. Um, you know, um, that recovery is definitely something that's huge. Um, I used to not do it as much before in college, but I learned how to do it, and I saw the guys uh, and noticed how important it was for us and our body. And I would also go in the training room and get some soft tissue done on my hammies, you know, quads, and, you know, obviously we use that a lot, so. I mean, I, that's probably the biggest thing that I learned this past year was probably taking care of my body. Awesome. Uh, you know, Rigo, like these high school guys, and you remember this, you know, five, six years ago, these high school guys kind of struggle with punting, and, and they don't really develop into to D1-level punters until they're actually in college. So um, right. I think a big thing that we've been trying to preach at some of these high school camps is directional punting. Maybe just talk about directional punting and, and maybe how valuable it is and, and how often you do it, just so these guys know that they need to start working on that now. No doubt. Uh, it's, uh, it's, honestly, I could speak upon, uh, I think, almost anybody in the league and how important that is of uh, directional punting. You know, you eliminate a lot of, you know, big returns and a lot of, you know, like scares when the guys are about to catch the ball down the middle of the field and they have both ways to go or even down the middle, you know. So what we like to call it in the league is like a small rectangle, like outside of the numbers, even if it's out of bounds, you know, 48 yards, um, you know, that way you net all of it. And it's good for your team, not just for yourself. You know, you don't have to put yourself in that situation where the guys, you know, are going to go out and cover where this guy's going to catch the ball in the middle of the field, you know. So you eliminate like the way the returners can, you know, take over and just pretty much get a big return on you. So 
I think directional punting, I wish I would have learned it a little earlier. So, I mean, I, I would definitely um, highly recommend for high school guys to start now. I mean, it helped them out in the long run. Um, obviously, listen to you and, you know, you guys know what you guys are talking about um, with that. But that's definitely huge in the punting game, uh, no matter what. And, uh, yeah, just keep emphasizing that for sure. Hey, Rigo, just I think – with all due respect, uh, give a shout out to your your main kicking coach that you started off with. I know you. I saw a really cool Facebook post. You gave him a jersey. Kind of, kind of talk about that gentleman. Uh, I mean that guy. That guy is a huge part of my life. Uh, you know, uh, most kickers obviously um, start out with soccer, and uh, you know I was going out to play football just because my friend, I had a couple friends that were playing football. I didn't play in my freshman year of high school. Um, I played my sophomore year, and I went out, but I was supposed to be a wide receiver or a DB or whatever. You know, I didn't know anything. And uh, I remember the kicker ended up, uh, you know, asking me to go up there. He kept insisting. I'm kind of a shy guy, and I didn't really want to. But after he insisted a little bit, I finally went out there and kicked before practice. And that's where Abel Hernandez, that's where he was standing right under the upright. And he saw me kick like a 30-yard field goal. Me not knowing what I was doing, he kind of held me, and he was like, hey, man, like, my name is Abel Hernandez, um, and you are not going to go anywhere. You're about to be our kicker right now. <laughs> and uh, ever since, he pretty much, you know, he kind of got me on the train, and, you know, he kind of taught me what he knew, and he's been there from the start. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing that Abel has helped me with was, uh, you know, I think the mental part of the game when, you know, when you're down a little bit, he'll try to fix you up and, and encourage you and tell you things that, you know, that, that you are and stuff like that. But, I mean, Abel, Abel Hernandez, he's a great, great dude, and he's, definitely been there from the start he's actually he was there for my juco days um at butte college along the sideline and you know helping me out with whatever he could and he's always been there yeah you know i think loyalty is awesome it's you know so many young kickers i think they struggle with that just because of maturity and i just you know i thought it was so cool just how how you know externally you showed the loyalty of you know this was the guy that i worked with i may have went to some exposure camps etc maybe picked a tip or two up, but this was the guy that I started with, and I just thought that was so cool uh, to see that because I, I connected with that, and, and I really appreciated you. That's awesome. That, you know, and uh, I definitely think we should give definitely him a shout-out, Abel. Like, nice job working with Rigo, and it's just so cool. I you know, I was even kind of jealous. That jer- that jersey looks so sweet, but that dude deserves it. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah, no doubt. He definitely deserves it 100%. Nice, nice. So, uh talking about high school a little bit let's just talk about your path a little bit and then i do want to get back we got some good questions for your experience with the Colts still but uh what was the recruiting process like for you you obviously picked up kicking a little bit later you had your coach that helped you along the way what was the recruiting process like did you hit up, get hit up by a lot of coaches or was it last minute how did it all work out to go to hawaii yeah that was that's yeah that was a interesting situation along my whole journey of you know, playing high school and college, Butte College and Hawaii, just because, you know, first off, I went to a small high school. You know, my graduating class was 70-some kids. And then from there, I ended up deciding to go to Butte College, which is a pretty good football college, and they were asking for a kicker when I was graduating. So I was fortunate enough to play there. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Jugo life, as you guys kind of hear, is kind of the grind, you know, the struggle. You know, you're kind of on your own, and everybody there is, pretty hungry to get out of there and that's why they train so hard and you know work so hard and I feel like it kind of pays off at the end because you know you go through that big process but 
I mean, after that, to go to Hawaii, I mean, that was probably the biggest milestone there because obviously everybody's trying to go D1 or, or, you know, D1 AA or D2. You know, everybody has dreams. And I feel like if you have dreams, you know, you just got to go chase them. But sometimes things don't work out, um, maybe in the beginning. And obviously you guys know that. Um, you know, sometimes you end up going to D2 or NAIA, but you end up playing the league somehow because coaches are not going to, you know, not notice your talent. So, but I was very fortunate. I mean, I went to one of your camps in Alabama. Um, you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Um, I was there. And, uh, you know, you just got to get your name you get, get your name out there pretty much. And, uh, you know, you just got to hope for the best and just keep working on yourself um, during that process and never let go of that, you know, that vision that you have. Um, but I also had a coach at Butte College um, that knew the coach in Hawaii as well. So, I mean, it's all about connections. Once they kind of talk, I actually had them talk to Houston and you and, you know, kind of back and forth. And they were like, yeah, we recommend this kid. Or, you know, you guys are obviously honest about the way people kick and you guys' camps. And uh, and so they take you guys' word and everything. So at the end of the day, just keep, I feel like, just have to keep working hard and just focus on your craft. And, uh, you know, just it's, it's about, like, who you know as well. And, uh, you know, your talent speaks for itself as well. Yeah, I remember, I remember when you were just super raw. I think you actually contact, contacted me on Instagram through direct message. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I, you know, to be honest with you, this and this is just being completely transparent, like I, I was like, there's no way this kid's coming from Cali to Mobile, Alabama. Like, this kid's probably just like drinking my chain. And next thing you know, you're like, you sent me the screenshot of the receipt. And so I tell Houston, I'm like, this guy from Cali's coming to camp. This is sweet. <laughs> and then you, and you come and you, you completely crushed it. I remember you were raw. Like, I think, uh, yeah. I don't know if like, you had hurdle, hurdle issues, but I'm obviously, uh, obviously you got all that worked out. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I remember I was just trying to get my name out there, and I remember, like, looking at your camps all the time and, like, you know, viewing them on Instagram and all social media and stuff. So I was like, you know, I got to do what I got to do. I told my parents, like, hey, it doesn't matter where I'm going to end up going for this camp, but I'm going to go. And I went to Alabama. You know, I, you know, I worked for some, you know, for the money and all that stuff. I had some people helping me out and supporting me through that, too. Um, but I remember going out to you. And, I, yeah, I remember, like, my, my talent then was kind of like, oh, you got a lot of work to do. But, I mean, it's kind of how it is sometimes in the beginning, you know. And then, obviously, you meet you guys in Houston, and, and you get advice here, and you learn more of the game. And that's when I feel like, you know, you start kicking better. You learn the, you know, the swing and the follow through and you know, the mechanics and all that good stuff. Right. So, so speaking on like learning, right? So you you go to Hawaii, you kill it. You go to the Colts, and then and then you get to play with the none other Adam Vinatieri, right? <laughs> you know, so just talk yep. about just talk about that. I'm not even gonna ask a question. Just talk. <laughs> I mean, you got to meet him, so that, I mean. That, that's pretty cool. He probably don't even um, remember me. I only had like 20 uh, minutes with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm sure he remembers. He's a great, great dude. I don't even have to speak upon that. I mean, Adam is Adam. You know, he's played 22 years in the league, obviously doing absolutely everything right to be able to play that long. Um, but it's been amazing. It's been a huge, huge honor to play among his side and to learn off of him, you know. Um, not just of football, but life in general. You know, I'm always... You know, our locker rooms are right next to each other. Our lockers are right next to each other. And, uh, you know, we always talk uh, about random things. But I always, every single day, I think I learn something off of him, no matter, you know, from the smallest of things to the biggest of things. And, and he's, you know, he has a lot of knowledge. He's been through everything. Um, yeah, 
because he's, you know, he's older than I am, like a lot older than I am, but we get along like, you know, we were the same age. And I think it's pretty cool. Um, that guy is just, he's got a character to him. He's very, um, you know, he's, he's got a humor. He's very funny. He's sarcastic and he's got jokes everywhere. And, uh, I mean, it's been honestly, I couldn't have been blessed with being by his side, like, or anybody else's side, any, like, any more than I am with, with Adam Benateri. So, I mean, it's been a great ride being by him and just learning, not just, because he tells me, pun, like, you know, things about punting. He learned off of Pat McAfee. Um, little things that I ask him, like, what did he do? What, you know, what, how can I get better? How, what do I do to, you know, maybe hit the ball a little bit further, a little bit, you know, more to the, to the edges and hit the red line, what we call, you know, the edges. And, um, you know, he also taught me field goals, you know. I always, uh, you know, observe and pick his brain on that. And uh, just the way he approaches every single day um, is huge, I think. Uh, you know, every single day he comes with that right mindset, the right attitude um, to meetings. Um, before practice, he's always getting, you know, treatment and all that stuff, mobility on his hips and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, he's always ready to go. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a windy day, rainy day. I mean, this guy's out there as a pro and he's he's acting like one every single day it doesn't matter if it's practice or you know a game when you feel you know what I mean so I mean it's just a huge honor to be by his side and just learn off of him yeah so obviously your your focus there was was punting and kickoffs did you ever try to go head to head with Adam in field goal competitions or did they <laughs> I mean yeah I mean it's all about competition to be honest and uh, you guys can vouch on that for me um, and I'm sure anybody can say the same thing. And, uh, you know, my coach, my special teams coach, um, Tom, he would always have me kick deals at the beginning of the season. And, like, I think it was on Wednesdays when I would kick about 10 reps. And, uh, you know, it kind of pushes him still. You know, like, if I go, cause I had my days where I was on, I get in my groove and, you know, cause I kicked deals in college and, you know, I'd go 10 for 10 and, you know, end at 60 plus or whatever. The next, you know, we go in the meeting, we watch film on that, you know, like Coach Tom starts, you know, telling him, hey, you know, like, Regal's doing well, and, you know, kind of gets Adam a little fired up. The next day he goes and, you know, kills it, like absolutely crushes the ball. And, I mean, I think it's, that's what it's about, you know. You can't be afraid of competition. you got to get excited about competition and just kind of go after it. And, uh, you know, you can't be afraid. But, I mean, that's the thing that, I mean, I still can feel, well, I think towards the last a couple weeks of, season, that's when I kind of backed off and didn't kick that many field goals or kick field goals at all, just because, you know, my life, I needed to use my life for punting and kickoff, um, but for the most part, I still kicked field goals and kind of competed with them, but, I mean, obviously, we knew that he was going to be the guy every single day, um, when it was his day, we all just focused on him and perfect holds, perfect snaps, and, you know, just make it his day, because, obviously, you know, he's the GOAT. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's great, so, obviously, you're the holder for him. What's it like holding for him? Did you first time? The first time you held for him, did you feel some pressure and trying to get that perfect? Oh position? man! What was your <laughs> oh man! The first time, first couple times. I mean, obviously, I just repeated myself. I never really held before. I always kicked. I always did all three: field goal, kickoffs, and punts. You know, in college, I was very fortunate to do all of them. Right. Um, so, me holding, me being in that position was just very different. Very, I've never been a part of it. Um, and uh, I was really lucky that Coach Tom gave me an opportunity to learn off of that. Actually, McAfee, I worked with him for a little bit. He came in and showed me his ways, showed me what he does. Because he was kind of in the same situation. He never really held before because he did 
all three, I believe, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was. And uh, you know, he taught me what he knows. Um, you know, he taught me like the cadences and all that stuff. And you know, just pretty much take control because it's pretty much up to me to like handle the situation, have all the guys on the field, and just have Adam calm. But I mean, the first couple couple day, days and weeks, I think it was like I had I started getting the hang of it a little bit, but. It took me a little bit to like finally get the rhythm going and uh, you know the operation and all that stuff and having him trust me and uh, and you know it's a little different. I mean in minicamp and all that good stuff just because I mean um, you know you have different holders, different kickers, different punters uh, holding for you. And uh, but I mean once we got the hang of it, it's awesome. You could hear the you know the boom when he hits the ball and crushes it. Yeah, uh, and it's so cool that you started holding like after college, you know, that you look so natural doing it. It it looks effortless. I mean, there are several times early in the season. Personally, I was like, oh, crap, I bet Rigo's like, man, you got to hold for Vinatieri. But it it doesn't look like it phased you. So, um, I mean, just here's a question for you. I mean, so Pat would talk about kind of like in his podcast, which we we always give him credit. If it wasn't for Pat and Gary V, we wouldn't have started this this podcast and so we appreciate them doing doing their thing but um he talked about how like you know their communication that he had with Vinatieri so for you Rigo like what was the communication what was the dialogue on regular field goals and like game winner field goals like did, did he nod at you did he talk to you explain that <laughs> I mean Pat McAfee explains it in his uh product uh his you know his his all the everything he talks about is dead on like when you go back there, I mean, you're you're about to line up for a field goal, whether it's a game-winning field goal or whether it's, you know, just a regular PAT. <laughs> so I look at my snapper, I make my count, make sure everybody's there. And um, when I look back and he's taking a step back, you just see him absolutely locked in. Like, his eyes are just ready, like, visioning his ball going in through the upright and uh, nothing else matters. And uh, he gives me a little, like, yes, I'm ready. Um, but that's about it. And, you know, he's just, you know, letting the bright shine, letting the light shine. So, it's a, you know, it's pretty impressive to just watch him back there and just be focused on it. You know, once we're done with the field and he's already made it, like, you know, he comes back to Benny and he's like, like, good job. And, you know, we get each other high fives and all that good stuff. But pretty much, I mean, the only thing I could probably tell him when I'm back there is just like, hey, bang it. Like, you know, just trust him, bang it. That's the only thing I tell him other than that. I mean, I don't have to tell him anything else. He's, Right. He's obviously been doing it for a long time, but, but yeah. <laughs> That's nice. awesome. So, yeah. I want to go back to, to game one. You had that first game. You had a killer game. Mm-hmm. You had uh, six punts, 302 yards, 50-yard average, 50.3. Describe that mm-hmm. first punt. What did it feel like? Did you have nerves, you know, jitters? What, what were you feeling on, on that first official punt? In L.A.? Yes, yep, in L.A. Yeah, I mean, it was, I was, that day was just crazy because I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't believe that, you know, I was going to be the guy um, playing the first regular season. Um, I was really thankful and uh, grateful for the opportunity. But, yeah, the first punt, I was just trying to be locked in, trying to go out there and do my job, help the team out. I think that's the biggest thing that I try to focus on is my kick and how I can help the team out. Um, I had a little bit of jitters, obviously, you know, but that's not always a bad thing when you're a little, scared or nervous or, you know, you get jitters, you know, it kind of pushes you to not want to mess up and just kind of go after it, you know, but, um, 
I definitely just try to focus on my job and just do what I can. And also, I mean, I was playing against Johnny Hecker, so I was like, you know, I want this guy to think that I'm okay, um, you know. And uh, you just kind of try to motivate yourself in whatever way you can and just do what you can to help the team out and just try to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, I'm going to still one of Chris's questions that he's asked a few of the other NFL specialists that we've had the opportunity of and privilege of interviewing. And um, I really love this question that Chris asked, and I really want to hear what you have to say. Other than we already know you love to play, you know, where the Colts are playing at in that facility. Other than the Colts stadium, what were, some, what were like two or three or four like stadiums that you were like, man, this is so sweet or, or, or whatever? Like what were your top two or three? Well, there was, oh, man, I mean, I think the Cowboys Stadium preseason was pretty impressive to me. I've never been in any stadium like that. I think the Texan Stadium is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's humongous and new, and it's just so nice. Um, and I got to say, Seattle was probably the craziest. Um, like, dude, there's so much sound there. We practiced all week with, uh, you know, speakers everywhere and everything because we knew that was, it was going to be loud, but I had no idea how loud it was going to be um, until I got there. And it's pretty crazy how loud it is. Like, it was honestly very surreal to be there. And, you know, it's pretty awesome. That's great. So we always want to try to learn from all of our experiences. So I want to hear your thought on what, what was your worst punt in the game? How did it happen? And then just how did you recover from it? You know, what did the coaches say? What did you tell yourself? How do you recover from a bad punt? And what was that like for you? Yeah, the the worst punt I had last season was definitely against the Lions preseason. I think it was my first game. Um, you know, um, it was it was a shank. You know, it was one of those where you just like, man, I can't believe this just happened. But I mean, when you're in a game, the game's gonna be played no matter what. So it's like it's not like you could just kind of hide from it. You know, so it's kind of like you got to push yourself and tell yourself, like, just forget about that punt. You're better than this. You know, you do it all all practice. You know, just shake it off and go to the next one. You know, once you watch film, then you're going to correct it. You're going to criticize. Um, you know, it's part of the league. You know, you got to get better. But, I mean, you just try to you just try to have to, you know, talk to yourself and, you know, mentally tell yourself that you're better and you know you're better and just not just tell yourself but just also know it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think that um, just recovering from a bad kick, um, you just have to focus on the future and not, like, what just happened. Yeah, and Rigo, we, we appreciate all this time that you're giving us. we got a few more questions for you, man. Um, it, it's easy for us to go to these camps and talk about uh, social media presence and just being careful on Snapchat, et cetera, but these guys, it's almost like they'd rather, you know, listen to their uncle than their dad type thing. So, like, what what's your opinion? Yeah. What would you tell high school and college guys to be careful about on social media and as well as just represent, you know, promoting their uh, character on that external presence? Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful on social media. I mean, you know, you could have fun with it and all that good stuff, but I think it's, uh, it's a big part now, especially, you know, in our society of uh, how people approach social media. And, you know, anything you put up is very, you know, you're going to get criticized on it, whether it's from, you know, family or from, you know, coaches and all that good stuff. So, I mean, it gets out to everybody. Everybody can see it no matter what, whether you like it or not, whether, you, you know, you wanted to post it or not and you ended up posting it. You know, it's going to be up, and everybody's going to be able to critique that. Um, so I think you just have to be really smart in uh, the way you kind of represent yourself because that's represent, representing all of you, you know, and they kind of could, you can you can tell how someone is sometimes just by the way 
the message you're trying to send out to people, um, you know, and you just got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Um, they teach us a lot about it um, with the Colts and how we want to be represented and how people want to view us and how they view us, you know, when we post certain things and say certain things. So I think um, to all the young guys, just be smart of what you post. And, uh, you know, not, every, not everybody has to see what you're doing at all times. And uh, just, you know, just be, just be smart. Right. So just to feed off that with social media, you know, obviously uh, we've heard recent news about, you know, football athletes and, and sort of like maybe mental pressures and things like that. How do you, how do you handle the critics? Uh, yeah, you kind of have to, uh, I mean, yeah, you kind of have to just kind of lock in um, to your job. And, uh, you know, you know what you did wrong the past game or, you know, what you did wrong in practice. And you got to be real with yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. And uh, they always tell us, you know, don't really try to read too much on social media. You know, fans could throw you off by saying certain things, you know, whether you're the quarterback or the kicker. Um, so you just have to be, you know, just kind of uh, be able to be your own critic pretty much and uh, just learn off of your mistakes and uh, go from there. You can't really listen to, you know, the exterior kind of part of the game. Hey, so, Rigo, um, uh, we'd be, we all, all three of us would be remiss if we didn't talk about your snapper. Um, he, he looks really cool <laughs> on social media. He snaps a damn good ball. Like, talk about him a little bit. What's his name, etc. Luke Rhodes, um, that guy, oh, man, we have became absolutely good friends. I mean, so <laughs> we both kind of were, you know, talked in a way when he became the guy because he was a linebacker. And obviously, I don't know if anybody out there knows him, but he, this guy is massive. This guy looks like a linebacker. He doesn't really look like an ordinary <laughs> snapper. No offense, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but but this guy, um, this guy's a good dude. He's a, you know, he's a hardworking dude. I think that's the biggest thing that I like about him because we always want to end up, you know, end a good snap, you know, every single day. Um, we want to be perfect as much as we can, but I mean, I, the biggest thing of him is that he's a hardworking dude. And, uh, you know, every single day we'd go out um, while everybody was in meetings because obviously we all know that kickers and punters don't have as much meetings as everyone else. Um, so we would go in the facility and, uh, you know, get extra 10 snaps. I, I think it was every single day, um, at least 10 snaps. Um, you know, perfect perfect laces, 12 o'clock laces. I think laces is huge for a kicker, you know. They don't want, they don't really want to see laces back there. Um so we, we tried putting Adam in the best situation that we could. Um, so him and I would spend a lot, a lot of time together um, every day. And, you know, we were on Snapchat, whatever. And we after practice, we text each other or whatever. And, uh, you know, we, came, we, we became pretty good friends. Nice, nice. Yeah, he, he's a good snapper, man. <laughs> yeah, he's learned, it, he's learned it fairly well. He's, he's adapted to it. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's hitting target and everything. So. Um, both snapping field goals and punts. He, he throws rockets back there, too. So, I mean, I really appreciate that guy. <laughs> nice. So, Rico, I got one last question for you, and this is coming from a like a punting coach perspective. Um, in our mm-hmm. trainings and our camps, we like to make punters uh, versatile, you know, besides just punting down the middle or, or maybe doing directionals. We like to do specialty kicks. Um, what, what are some of your favorite, like, specialty kicks to do that are just non- non-traditional down-the-middle type punts, and, and um, do you have any of the Sam Cooke, uh, especially punts in your bag that you can pull out too, like the banana and all those different ones too? 
Yeah, actually, um, you know, those are some good things to have under your belt. Just, you know, you could always use them in the future or if your coach, coach uh, you know, lets you. Um, I actually learned the banana kick from uh, one of the Aussies in Butte College because nice. I competed against them. And he, he taught me, you know, they're obviously traditional punters. They're six five guys that, you know, have big legs and, you know, can put the ball. But he taught me how to do the rugby, um, you know, inside the 50, um, you know, all that stuff. And uh, he taught me how to do the banana. Banana is really, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. With people that know how to do it, it's, it's awesome, you know. The ball rotates in a certain way and, uh, you know, you can make it go out of bounds or whatever. But, um I mean, Sam Cook is a man. That guy, I got to meet him. I was fortunate enough to meet that guy and obviously Justin Tucker, too. Um, but um, I definitely I, I definitely learned a lot from just watching other punters as well um, throughout the year. And uh, I think having having certain traits under your belt is definitely good. And, you know, the more you spend with the – it's kind of like soccer. The more you spend with the ball, you know, the, the, more, the more familiar you get with it, the better you're going to be. So – I mean, having certain tricks and, you know, making returners double think of catching that ball, you know, the knuckleball, um, all that good stuff is very important. And uh, it's a pretty cool thing to have under your belt, for sure. What's it like kicking off in Lucas Oil? It's amazing. I love it. I mean, indoors, sometimes they open the roof and stuff, but, I mean, I can't, we, we all have no say on that. Um, but it's amazing. I like it. You know, it's a, it's a really good atmosphere. The fans are awesome. Um, you know, I love the turf there. Um, it feels like home, definitely. Uh, another, we haven't asked another NFL specialist. I think we just forget about it. Um, and we just haven't thought about it, Chris. But Rigo, if, if you're allowed to talk about it, we understand if you can't. But are you, um, what's the football situation like? Like, are the balls broken in? Because when I when I just went to rookie camp in '07. We had to kick them like bright pink out of the bat, like out of the box. Like, what's it like? These really? Days? Yeah. What's it like these days? I mean, yeah, they have a certain amount of time to break them in. We got some guys that break them in and stuff like that. But it's obviously not going to be a perfect broken in ball that you've been kicking for seven months. You know, so it's <laughs> going to be a pretty brand new ball. Pretty, it's going to be in good shape. You know, you, they break it in as much as they can, and uh, you know, they still fly. You know, you just gotta. You can't really think about those little things. I think that when I was younger, that's probably the thing I thought about. Oh, like this is a good ball. This is a, you know has good air, or you know it's it's very dark brown. You know this thing will fly. You know, like you just gotta. I mean, in the league, you just gotta have to forget about those things and just go out there and kick a ball. You know, the ball's a ball. And you just gotta go out there and not be afraid mentally that you're gonna about you're about to hit a bad ball because the ball's not the way you like it. So I mean, the balls are pretty good. I think. What was the weird was, like, when we were watching the game the other night, the Vikings game, they zoomed in on the ball, and it was, like, literally how you said it, it was completely dark brown, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, we were really mm-hmm. surprised about that one. And we were just kind of just wondering, like, I wonder, because you see the guy with the K-ball, you know, the managers with the K-balls, and, and we didn't know if there was, like, some kind of process that the equipment guys or referees have, you know. Yeah, we have our own K-balls and stuff. I mean, they put them in for field one you know, kickoff and all that good stuff. Um, they're obviously not the ones we practice with. They, Like you said, they're pretty new for the most part, and they just break them in a little bit with the brush. I don't know exactly how they do it. Um, but that's that's the game ball that we have to use. And, yeah, we're, it's not really fresh, fresh out of the box, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been an awesome interview, and, and uh, I think I may have saw this in your Instagram, Rigo, but, but um, did you recently become engaged? I did, actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
this was when this was like after Christmas, um, so I was pretty excited about that. Definitely. Congrats, man! I got to, uh, you know, I asked my best, my best friend to be, you know, mine forever. So it was amazing. And I think did she come? With, didn't she go to Hawaii with you? Or yeah, she's actually from the same area where I'm from. So I live in a small town called Hamilton City. She lives about 20 minutes away called Corning, California, mm-hmm. and we both went to B College. We were friends. Um, you know, I kind of met her when I played soccer, um, you know, back in high school. I knew of her. She knew of me, and it's just it's just a funny story just because we both kind of were around the same, you know, same places at the same time, and uh, we finally started dating, and then before I left to Hawaii, I asked her to go with me. She ended up going to Hawaii. She graduated and everything, and, uh, you know, she's now with me in Indy. Now she's engaged to me, so That's awesome, it's pretty man. cool. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. Last thing to finish on, Rigo. What's talk about like the next two to three months and all that? Like, what do you what do what do NFL specialists do the next three to four months? So, the past couple of weeks, I'll talk about. Uh, first, I took a couple you know weeks off. It was really hard for me. You know, Adam even told me like, "Hey, man, you know, Tom McMahon told me the same thing. Hey, take some break, some time off. Your body needs it. You know, especially because last year I didn't really." Not I, I pretty much trained like the whole year. You know, I, I trained for the NFLPA bowl game right after my season, and then after that, I was training for you know on my pro day, and then I kind of never really stopped. So I took the past couple weeks, I took off, and I let my body recover. Um, you know, I definitely forced myself not to kick. I actually kicked um, a couple days ago, but that was the only time I only had about ten kicks um, just to get in the rhythm. Um, but next three months, I'm definitely going to start training um, in a week. Um, 100%, you know, lifting and all that stuff, the, the good routine that we have going on. And, um, you know, I'm going to definitely focus on quality over quantity, you know, and, um, you know, just, just really focused on what I learned from, you know, from Adam and all those guys last year and just bring it on this off season and just kind of, you know, go from there. Awesome. Well, Rigo, man, this has been a wonderful 40 minutes. You've provided so much insight and feedback that uh, not only the, the audience can hear, but uh, even Chris and I just learned so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, man, we, we hope to maybe see you at a camp or maybe we can do a trick shot video one day. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> cool, man. All right. We can't be as good as, we can't be as, good as Corbin, though. <laughs> Oh, man, I got to tell him that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that, brother. Yep. Perfect. Hope you guys have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. We'll see you around. Thank you very much. <laughs> Later, Rigo. No doubt. You too. Yep. All right, bye. Man, uh, Chris, that was one of my favorite interviews. Yeah, that was good. Man, I, I love that podcast. That was that was awesome. Uh, Rigo Sanchez, y'all, he's the punter, uh, kickoff specialist. Uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, he played all 16 games, did a wonderful job, and uh, we just spoke with him for exactly 40 minutes, and he just provided so much value and information that uh, a lot of us don't get to hear, and we really appreciated you, Rigo, for, for coming on here and giving us uh, some inside information. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I mean, every interview we do is special and great, but uh, what I really enjoyed about this is getting that inside information about what it's like and you know obviously he's a rookie and, and and all of us strived to have that opportunity and he got it and just wanted to know what it's like is is great and, and those are good learning opportunities for the younger listeners absolutely um and it's just you know just some of the stuff he was talking about 
with a rep count and social media presence, just being careful on social media, even at his level. So just really appreciated that. Um, thank you, Rigo. Hey, Chris, I know just before we finish this podcast, you wanted to talk about um, Thomas Morstead. Talk, talk about that to, to finish up our pod. Yeah, so a lot of you guys probably heard the news. Uh, Thomas Morstead, um, you know, obviously played the Vikings, so so we were we were vested in watching that game, and and um, he showed great character and just 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 a very sportsmanship like um, attitude during the game here. Obviously, they lost in a heartbreaking uh, type of type of ending, you know, with the big play to Diggs, and then they had to come back out just to finish that extra point. And so it was incredible to see. But um, what what somebody ended up doing was um, posting about it, um, kind of just how they appreciated his sportsmanship and showing up at the end, and then also playing through I think what turned out to be semi broken ribs or something like that, or broke or, or torn cartilage or something like that. Um, they tweeted that he had a, um, a charity, and so they they posted about it and. And a number of Vikings fans ended up donating towards it. So, so the charity that he runs is called What You Give Will Grow, and it's an organization that focuses on pediatric cancer for, for, for young children, obviously. And um, I think by earlier today, so he had made a comment, you know, thanking all the Vikings fans for the support, and then he made a comment that if he was able to earn close to $100,000, uh, he'd actually come up and, 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 and re-donate those proceeds to the uh, a Minnesota hospital instead of the local uh, New Orleans hospital. So um, uh, that that snowballed went viral, and, and they actually, as of earlier today, they have Vikings fans or everybody has contributed up to 190,000. Yeah, um, Ellen Ellen DeGeneres uh, tweeted it out too. Wow, that's incredible. And what's interesting is the story that I pulled up to just get more details. I'm pretty certain that about three hours ago it said 160,000. So I think somebody updated the title, but still, it's incredible. I mean, almost two hundred thousand uh, dollars in donations. You know, I made a very small donation. Nothing that compares to probably what other people did, but it's pretty sweet um, thing to do. And, and you know, people just acknowledging um, an athlete on the opposing team and for for the sportsmanship and just the good attitude that he had about everything in the last game. So, uh, congratulations to you, uh, Mr. Morstead. Yeah, that's just an unbelievable story and. And what a gutsy performance by him uh, last week. So, hey, this is episode 10. Uh, what a wonderful interview uh, that we had with Rigo Sanchez. Make sure you guys follow him on Instagram. Uh, great guy. Um, he's a young talent. Uh, just hopefully you guys listen to this because uh, because every week we're going to be having an NFL specialist on here and even some co- some coaches here soon. Uh, we really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, checking in with us and listening. We, we would love for you to send um, one of these episodes or podcasts to your friends and, and retweet it and follow us on social media because it's, it's just going to keep on getting better every week. Yep. Thank you guys all for your continued support and uh, looking forward to these future interviews and podcasts that we can bring to you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the fourth down experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fourth Down Experience.